passo a palavra agora aos painelistas. Amazing. Uh, so thank you everyone for being here today. Uh, my name is Aaron Stanley. I'm the founder of uh, a project called the Brazil Crypto Report. The, the objective here of this panel is to really talk about basically the, the convergence of like the fintech and the crypto ecosystems in Brazil. Brazil has a very strong uh, fintech innovation uh, ecosystem, digital banks, fintechs. Uh, your new banks, your Mercado Pagos, uh, all of these platforms have, have really seen just tremendous adoption in the last five, ten years. Now we're seeing a lot of these types of platforms uh, onboarding crypto users, uh, introducing crypto brokerages, and uh, these things have really become um, kind of massive rails, massive on-ramps for, for adoption of, of cryptocurrencies here in Brazil, which is, which is really impressive, and it's, it's a very unique thing, right? Uh, this, this doesn't happen in the U.S., uh, where I'm, I'm from, obviously. Uh, we don't. We have PayPal. We have things like PayPal. We have things like Cash App that are just starting to kind of roll out some of these applications. But um, you know, I think uh, well, like when last year when NewBank turned on its its crypto buying features, they had a million customers within like three weeks. It's crazy. So, so here we are going to be talking a bit about. Uh, just this this convergence of um, you know of, of the fintech ecosystem and the crypto ecosystem, and really what this means for consumers, what this means for retail investors uh, here in Brazil. So um, maybe we'll take like 30 seconds and just have everyone introduce themselves. Uh, Daniel, why don't you uh, give yourself a quick introduction and um, and what does a a beverage alcohol company have to do with uh, crypto exactly? Hello all, I'm Daniel. I've been at the company for the past five years. I'm in charge of direct-to-consumer globally uh, uh, for AB InBev. And we were having this joke a couple of minutes ago that what the heck we have to do, you know, talking about crypto payments and stuff like that. Uh, when you think about our business, think about, you know, two big layers. The first one is the B2B where uh, we have our customers, the bar owners, the restaurant owners, the bodega owners. Just here in Brazil, for example, we have approximately one million customers and we have at least one human being visiting one of these points of consumption, at least you know, 800,000 pucks a week we are capable of, of visiting. This is our throughput. But our connection to these customers is basically electronic. We have our own system where they can put their orders, where they can track, you know, everything related to their business. And on the B2C side, we have our direct-to-consumer initiatives. Here in Brazil, the most prominent one is the delivery, uh, and we have another one called Tada across Americas, and now in approximately 20 different countries, we have our D2C initiative. So basically, when you think about you know, our B2B ecosystem, our B2C ecosystem, five, 10 years ago, it was impossible to have a conversation about how can we integrate these ecosystems. Also, we have a FinTech at home, you know, a FinTech that we bought part of it, we developed the other part of it, uh, and recently we made a strategic investment on a centralized exchange so we can start to talk about, you know, uh, crypto payments both for the B2B side and to the B2C side. So this melting pot is basically uh, uh, our current situation. And of course, when you think about blockchains, when you think about ledgers, and when you think about crypto, it's one of the solutions that we have to finally streamline our relationship with both our customers and also our consumers. The customers, the ones that buy uh, a beer from us, you know, for a, a business, you know, and the, the consumers, of course, the ones that have this established relationship with us through a direct consumer channel. 
Amazing. Uh, Talis, you want to introduce yourself and Bitso quickly? Yeah, of course. So nice to meet you all. My name is Talis De Freitas. I'm the CEO of Bitso Brazil. If some of you now don't know what's Bitso, Bitso is the largest, I would say, financial service firm powered by crypto in LATAM. So our aim here should be much more than exchange. So everybody knows that in Bitso you can buy and sell crypto assets, but right now what we believe, and that's why we have like two licenses here in Brazil, the IP license, the SCD, and on the way to get a third when the central banks start approving the VASPs, we believe that Bitso can be this bridge between the TradFi, the traditional banking system, the DeFi and also CeFi. So we want to bridge both worlds, crypto world and the traditional finance service. So we believe that crypto, same that internet, completely changed what we know as the internet sector and communication services. We believe that blockchain crypto is going to do the same with financial service. So that's why Bits is here and crypto is our DNA. So that's why I think we are different from other exchanges in, in the world, yes. Great, and Bruno, over to you. Yeah, fantastic, uh, glad to be here. Um, I'm Bruno Geniz, um, founder of Spiraling. Spiraling is a consulting firm focused mainly on helping large institutions and also governmental bodies, especially foreign governmental bodies on bridging the gap uh, between uh, innovation and traditional finance. Uh, besides that, I'm also a, a teacher at the University of Sao Paulo, uh, not this campus here, but uh, Zalk, uh, uh, in the in the countryside. Uh, and, and I'm also an author of uh, three books on fintech. Um, one is called The Phenomenal Fintech. The other one is A Nova Logica Financeira. And the upcoming one is uh, A Era da Criptoeconomia, which is going to be released on August this year. Amazing. So, Bruno, sticking with you here, uh, you've been at the kind of the center of this, these, these two, these worlds of fintech meets, uh, I mean, open finance meets cryptocurrency meets digital assets. You've been at the, kind of the intersection of all this stuff for some time now. Uh, I would love to, for you to kind of give us a, kind of a high-level overview of, like, what is happening in Brazil right now, kind of dating back maybe like four or five years. Um, we're at this kind of this inflection point right now with, with a law being passed and formalized now. And um, how do you see all of these different uh, kind of components really uh, converging right now? Fantastic. When we look back in Brazil around 2011, I would say 2013, when we start seeing some very interesting um, enabling regulations, uh, like uh, the one that uh, created the, the payment institu institutions in Brazil in 2013. From there, uh, we opened up space for many challengers in the, in the financial space in, in Brazil. So the fintech movement uh, has been growing strong in, in the country uh, throughout the years. And now we got into an inflection point when you look at the crypto scene and we see that many of the basic understandings in the US and other places of the world are not that clear uh, how to define crypto assets. Is it a commodity? Is it a security? What it is? Uh, and I think that Brazil, we passed that stage. And now we have a, a regulatory uh, framework that is, it, even though it's very in the beginning, in the beginning right now, I think it's opened up a lot of space for discussions. I also believe that is very important what we see here in terms of infrastructure. You mentioned open finance and all of that. So we have this infrastructure in place. We have picks and all of that. So I believe those are building blocks from what we're going to see when we connect traditional finance um, with all the good things that we already have here in place with all the capabilities of the crypto world, 
Besides that, when we look and uh, see about the infrastructure with the CBDC, with the Real Digital here in Brazil. Um, so that's the point. Uh, while in places like Argentina, people are trying to forbid that. Uh, in the US, there's no clear understanding. Uh, here in Brazil, we are uh, in the forefront of innovation as we can also uh, create a very fertile ground here for foreigners to come here and start business uh, due to the, our regulatory framework and also uh, because of the infrastructure which is very well crafted, all the process f from the, the central bank uh, to the, the whole ecosystem. Great. So, Talos, turning to you here, we'd love to get your, your reaction to, to what Bruno just commented, but we'd also love to talk a bit about uh, uh, Bitso's approach. Bitso has been pretty successful generally uh, across Latin America with reaching uh, kind of retail, you know, retail users, everyday users um, f with a variety of different use cases, uh, you know, including but not restricted to speculation, but there's other, lots of other, you're, you're kind of, I like your mantra of trying to make crypto useful and trying to bring utility. So finding creative ways to actually use these technologies that's uh, in a way that's more than just buying and selling and hoping you make money. Um, so, would love to kind of get your th your thoughts on like what um, you know what has what has helped Bitso really uh, kind of capture that uh, kind of that market or, or that that part of the market in uh, across Latin America. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. So, as well said, Bitso is much more than an exchange. We want to make crypto useful, and we have seven million customers across Latin America. So, Mexico when we start our operations, 2014. Then we expanded to Argentina in 2019. That's a great market for crypto. And then Brazil, we landed in 2021. And last year in Colombia. So we're truly a Latin company. And it's funny, each country is different. It's completely different. So when we're very successful in Mexico, but when we got here in Brazil, yes, there's a lot of challenges here. And as well said, we have like a lot of competitors here as well. So you need to find your needs. So I would say that Mexico, right, we're a very retail-oriented company, although we have a very strong, like, business market there. So, for example, as you know, a lot of Mexicans, they go to the States to work there, and they send, like, money to their families in Mexico. So when Bitso started, the first idea of Bitso was, like, to facilitate the, this remittancing business between Mexico, states and Mexico. Took us like six, seven years and we could say that in 2021 we processed 3.3 billion dollars of this flow. So you see that in Mexico retail remittance is super important and this flow keep growing. And if we look at Argentina as well, this like, as you know, and I don't know if there are in Argentina here, but the currency is, is, is devaluating every day and inflation around 100% a day. So we can see that stable coins in Argentina, it's, it's quickly becoming like their currency. People, they trust more better or USDC than the peso. And we can see this clear at peso when people get their salaries by the end of the month, they just convert it to stable coins and then they can start spending to our QR or uh, exchanging to pesos and sending it to their bank account. So it's very interesting how crypto grow in Argentina. And now talk about Brazil. Brazil is, a, I would say, is a mix. I would say Brazilians, they love to trade, talk more about B2C. So if you see, we have more investors in crypto than in the stock exchange. So it's hard to say the numbers, but we say that there are 6 million people in Brazil trading crypto and 5 million in stocks. 
So one, Brazil, like meme coins, they like to trade, and Bitso, we have like a very intuitive like way of trading. So this was the first niche we found. So maybe there are some players very trade intensive, but Bitso, if you trying to get to crypto, in two minutes you can buy your first Bitcoin or a Satoshi. So this is a differentiator of us. And also we have like the stable coins as well. This is something we started last year, talk about digital dollars. Of course, now the real is rallying. So we've seen like some people like even buying more as well because it's maybe smart to have some diversified assets. And something else that we have seen in Brazil is like everything related to payments as well. So we have some cases that people is like using crypto for payments, even like to pay like in commerces or sending money overseas as well. That we can talk about this later on. Great. Daniel, turning over to you, you, you gave us earlier a bit of a, just a background of, of AB Embed's uh, kind of approach into, into the world of crypto, but we'd love to maybe dive into how you all are seeing this as really like a kind of a customer, uh, you know, a, a developing a, a tool to develop a relationship with a customer, whether it's uh, kind of, uh, you know, a fidelidad, forgetting the word in English, <laughs> loyalty, loyalty programs. Um, or whether it's uh, just kind of building out extra tools using these technologies that will uh, help kind of just build out that relationship with your consumer across. Uh, obviously, you have multiple uh, touch points with these consumers. So we'd love to get your thoughts on, uh, on, on how you're going about doing that. For sure. Uh, the most prominent initiative that we have is actually a game. It's a game called Reign of Titans. Uh, we started this community like 18 months ago. Uh, and it's like uh, we're going to launch our game in the following two weeks. Uh, and why a game? And we had, you know, 100% we knew that we didn't know if the game at the end of the day it will work out or not. Uh, but it was our first big initiative to do ourselves, to build up a community and to build up an NFT-based game. Uh, and now the community got a lot of, a lot of traction. Uh, it's based on Solana, and we had the opportunity to learn a lot about Rust, about you know, how to build up a game. And we have this uh, uh, thesis that you know, we're going to be able to ramp up a bunch of users uh, basically on both gaming and loyalty program. So gaming, I invite everyone you know, to go to our community on, on Discord or just Google it, Reign of Titans, and take a look in our marketplace. Uh, and have fun because we're going to launch our game in the following uh, two weeks. Uh, second, it's about how can we tokenize loyalty programs. And again, uh, we have a well-known uh, D2C business in Brazil called Z Delivery, and we have another business called Tada in other markets. Uh, and we are launching our loyalty program. And this is our omnichannel loyalty program because basically you buy your beer or you buy your soda, and on the cap, you're going to have a QR code. You scan this QR code, you get points. You buy on the D2C, you get points. And you can exchange your points on both experiences. You can exchange your points for concerts, for football tickets. I refuse to say soccer. Uh, 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 and, of course, you can exchange for more beer, regardless of the channel, if it is online or offline. And, and, and our next move, of course, will be how we're going to be able to tokenize this uh, uh, loyalty program. And when we think about our uh, B2B side, uh, we do have, you know, the, 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 the network of a bunch of, you know, uh, point of consumers 
uh, bars, restaurants that uses our solution, and then we can connect to the end user solution. So you buy your beer, you scan your QR code, you get your points, and then when you want to redeem, you go to a bar and you redeem it there. But of course, this is a non-crypto solution, you know. Uh, and we think we have a lot of opportunities to finally to tokenize, you know, uh, 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 this initiative to finally not only to lower costs but to have a more transparent, you know, way to take in a look on how those points are being used, how those points are being redeemed. Can we add interoperability to those points? Can we add composability so we can bring other partners to work with? Can we have a secondary marketplace so everyone could trade their points? Because good loyalty programs are loyalty programs that the users are burning their points. Because we have on loyalty programs and loyalty schemes one thing called breakage, which is the points that you do not use actually is a revenue for the company. Airlines, they have approximately 25% of the points no one uses, so this becomes revenue uh, uh, to the airlines. We want to build up a program where the users, at the end of the day, they burn all their points, not only in discounts to get more beer, but also to get more experiences, because we are kind of an experience hub. We sponsor more than 23 football clubs in Brazil. We have the vast majority of you know, music concerts uh, in Brazil and throughout uh, the world. So we believe that when we connect both our B2B side, our B2B, B2C side, and we can add a crypto slash blockchain layer on top of that, we can finally streamline uh, uh, the user experience, not only in loyalty, but in, in, in many other initiatives. Great, super exciting. And I, I'm really bullish on the, just the, the loyalty use case. Uh, I've, I've, I mean, I, I get that some people in, in crypto aren't super excited about this because it's kind of just taking something that already exists and just sort of pasting it onto a blockchain, one could argue. But my argument has always been uh, this, is, this is something that people are already sort of conditioned to do. Um, you know, the, only, the reason I only fly Delta is because I'm getting my points. You know, and if I fly any other airline, uh, then I'm, I'm like the last person to board and it's kind of a miserable experience, right? So like these, these, are, these types of programs are things that people are already conditioned to do. So adding on um, kind of you know, a, a tokenization element or, or any other... Uh, even if it's just like a Bitcoin cash back reward, we're seeing a number of these kind of cash back cards uh, where you, you spend money and then you earn Bitcoin or crypto and cash back. Boom, pretty simple. But, uh, but people like that stuff, right? Um, maybe turning back to you, Talis, uh, would, would love to get your thoughts on just what are some other maybe kind of success stories of, of use cases, payments-related use cases that, uh, that either Bitso has experienced that you've seen or that maybe you've seen just broad, more broadly uh, operative here in Brazil and Latin America. Yeah, so let's give a first one with Argentina as well. So when you travel to Argentina, you know it's a pain like to exchange money there. And you have to go to a cueva and you might get some fake bills. And, and since the currency is so devaluated, you go there and you go out with like a bag full of money. So Bitso released a product called Bitso Pay Cross Border. So we have actually our... Uh, product manager there, Paulinha, if you want to speak with her later, so she's the one uh, like behind this project as well. But what do you do? You just have your, your crypto, you have your Bitso account here and you have a QR code and you go to any QR code in Argentina, that, that's their peak. So they have the Mercado Pago and others as well and you scan it and you can pay with Bitcoin, Ethereum, Stablecoin 
So, and at the best FX exchange as well. So this is like a very easy way to pay and when you do that, you say, wow, this is magical because the transaction takes like 20 seconds and if you ever go to Argentina, please try this payment, it's amazing. And the second one as well, for business. So as you know, in Mexico, we have like a FinTech license there. That's very tough to get one, and Pizza was one of the first, the first crypto company to get it, and one of the first fintechs as well. And what we're doing right now, if you want to launch a business in Mexico, and one of the most difficult things are, first, how you open an entity in Mexico, and second, how you get a bank account. So now Pizza, we can offer you, with your account here in Brazil, if you're a customer of Brazil, this is for business, okay? You go to Mexico, and then we open an account for you. And then you can start like sending and receiving their picks. That's called SPay, and you pretty much can like have a new market to try. And you don't need to create a company. And also, to it's very easy to open an account at Pizza instead of going to a traditional bank. So these are like two ways that's very easy to to use Bitso and that's like the, what I was telling you about how can we bridge like the traditional finance and blockchain and crypto. And we have our team here and with all the innovations that you mentioned here in Brazil with like the Real Digital, the PIX, the Open Finance, we have two licenses, we're going to have a third one, we're going to have FX license. So yeah, we're going to have a, a very strong roadmap and Web3 as well. That's something that we'll talk about loyalty. It's very related to Web3. And we believe that people, they're trading Bitso, that's a CFI, but we must give them access to DeFi and Web3. And we're not going to fight against this. Actually, we're going to embrace. So soon, you're going to see some new products as well. So, Bruno, turning over to you here, and one theme that I think is maybe constant amongst this conversation here is really that I think you're seeing this trend of just brands that have earned like the trust of Brazilian users that are starting to embrace this technology, right? Like we're not at the point where, we're no longer at the point, I should say, where if you want to get into crypto, you have to go through some sort of, you know, kind of shady, questionable, uh, you know, offshore exchange or, or something where you don't know if this thing is just going to take your money and run and you'll never see him again or whatever. Uh, but you have... Uh, you have Abe Imbev, you have uh, a name like Bitso, which was uh, which was widely established in Latin America before entering, or Spanish Latin America before entering Brazil. You have all your big names like Nubank and PicPay and Mercado Pago, and uh, and these are all these are all brands that have you know obviously earned the trust of Brazilian consumers and retail investors. These people have all voted with their feet to use these brands. Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, using these brands in, uh, instead of using kind of TradFi banks, like your, your kind of your traditional uh, TradFi large financial institutions. Uh, so I just love your thoughts on, uh, and first of all, I love your, your reaction to, you know, kind of what Talos was talking about with some of, like, what are some other real uh, kind of nuts and bolts use cases that are, uh, that you see emergent. But I would love your thoughts on this question of this trust, right? How, how, how important of a, of, uh, uh, of an accomplishment is it to really earn the trust of, of these consumers like this? Fantastic. We're, uh, we, we can see that as, uh, I believe that customer adoption, I think that the, the chasm that we have to bridge 
to uh, see customer adoption go through this process of having large brands involved in this process. So I think it's a two-stage process. The first one was when those big brands started offering traditional financial services through embedded finance. So they connected to different uh, banking as a service players and they helped those companies offering not only, not only accounts, which is, uh, I think is a pretty basic one, but uh, other types of solutions from insurance. Some players are, are into uh, uh, insurance as a service as well, connected to those players and, and, and being able to uh, offer those services to their clients. Uh, but now we see the second phase of it, which is basically all those products uh, running on blockchain and, and, and sometimes mix it with uh, DeFi. So I see uh, in this process of adoption and also talking about trust that those companies already have established and their large customer base, um, we're seeing a process in which all of them are somehow uh, start to studying how they can uh, offer the different products uh, that are based on DeFi, for example. And I like to always say, uh, for example, the case of the DeFi mallet solutions, which is basically when you have uh, traditional experience like a web to experience in the front, but in the back, we're seeing in the back end um, web DeFi solutions uh, going through a, and, and Web3 solutions happening. So it's kind of a Web 2.5 uh, process. Uh, and we see that, for example, uh, in the case of CloudWalk here in Brazil, they have a POS machine. So typically, the clients that interact with them are having the chance to uh, uh, you know, basically receive money. Uh, but in the backbone of that, they can also lend money and they're using a DeFi uh, type of uh, infrastructure to, to, to make this happen. Um, but, I, but, I, but, but yeah, the other case that I think it's very important uh, looking at that and see how big brands are, are taking these opportunities, the case of Reddit with their NFTs as well. Um, so as I, again, I think I would say that it's a two-stage process. The first one was all those companies taking advantage of the possibility of offering traditional finance products, and now there's a larger world in which they can uh, integrate and bring loyalty and insurance and all types of different solutions to their, to their clients. Great, great. And then, Daniel, turning back to you here, um, just following up on what you had mentioned before with, with, with some of your customer loyalty programs and, and tokenization in this realm, and I would just love to get your thoughts on what have you observed from your customer? What's been the response from customers, right? Is this, is this something that uh, people are really excited about? Is this something that people are uh, kind of like, what is this? I don't really understand what this is. Um, is, it, is this maybe still more of like a, you know, if we build it, they will come type of mentality where like we know people like these types of programs, but we just need to figure out exactly how, how it works in this particular context. Uh, but we'd love to just hear what the response has been from, from your customers. Yeah, uh, the honest truth is they couldn't care less, you know, uh, because at the end of the day, it's not about the technology. Here, we love the technology, but the consumer, they couldn't care less about the technology. People, they don't want to know about codecs or video compression. They just want to play, you know, press play and watch their, you know, Netflix and their streaming. Uh, and that's why we've been very closely following what Nike are doing, what you know, uh, Starbucks before it's here doing. We were, we were working closely with the folks from Forum 3, the ones that were building you know, the Odyssey program for Starbucks, and taking a look on what Nike is doing with Swoosh. It's important because 
you know, we still have a huge problem in the crypto slash blockchain world, which is adoption uh, in terms of UX and UI. You have to love this thing, you know, in order, you know, to, to, to connect and to engage. It's like the internet 20 years ago. You had to open up TCP IP, connect, then you have, you know, to use the FTP to transfer files or use RIRC to chat or your mosaic, you know, to, 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 to do some browsing, but you didn't have any content over there by that time. We are now on the cusp of finally having a better adoption. When I take a look into the onboarding process of Nike Swoosh, for example, it's like a transparent process at the end of, uh, at the, end of the onboarding. You get a gasless NFT on a Polygon chain, and you don't know anything about having a wallet uh, and whatsoever. The same thing with, you know, Odyssey and Starbucks. At the end of the day, it's about the benefit for the consumer, you know. Of course, you also have business benefits. If you run, and, and Deloitte uh, had a study a couple of years ago that if you run a loyalty program on a blockchain, it will be cheaper than if you do this on a legacy, on a traditional systems. Okay, but this is a business problem that you can solve, you know, cost-wise. When you move to the benefit to the consumer, and the consumer, they don't want to know, they, they don't want to open up a wallet. They don't want to know, you know, to write down 24 word, and in case they miss it, they're screwed. They want to know the following. Okay, oh, can I buy a collectible? NFT is a forbidden word in this case. Now, can I buy a collectible from my football team, and this collectible gonna give me 10 tickets for the season, Plus, I can also watch, you know, a, 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 a post-game conversation with the coach, and also I can visit the training center, and also uh, my kids can go to the pitch holding hands with the player. And this, in case my team goes well, and I only redeem like two or three tickets, and now I need to make money, I can sell this on the secondary market. Whoa, this, this makes sense. You know, when you think about liquidity, when you think about composability, when you think about uh, interoperability, okay, those are benefits for the consumers that make sense. Because again, and I want to emphasize that, the consumers, they don't want to know how the, 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 the electric power comes to your place. They just want to turn the switch on and have light. You know, this is exactly the same here uh, with crypto. That's why we, we are aiming for better solutions in terms of UX and UI to finally to focus on the benefit for the consumer. You know, so this is where we are aiming. And at the end of the day, we believe that we can connect some consumer passions, concerts, football, with a loyalty program, with a loyalty scheme, in an in a omnichannel way where, you know, regardless of where you are at the bar or at home, you can, you know, take advantage of these experiences. And of course, uh, uh, the crypto layer, the blockchain layer on top of that, will make this, you know, in a better and a streamlined way. Yeah, it's a good example of, uh, I think, you know, thinking of this in terms of like a pitch deck, right, where you, you include the, the, the blockchain crypto component sort of on the last page of the deck rather than the first page of the deck, right, where it's like, oh, we have this great product, and oh, by the way, it runs on blockchain instead of kind of the other way around, right? Now it's AI. Another example that is an interesting one, now that we are launching our game to the masses, we were having this conversation whether or not we should keep the white paper on the front page of our website. And we decided, okay, no. Uh, if you want to find the white paper, it's going to be there. But now we are aiming for people that doesn't care about the white paper. You know, they just want to play. You know, and, and that's where we believe in our own thesis that you know the brands and the big business will have an important role to embark the following one billion users. And the following one billion users, they won't know they'll be onboarding 
uh, 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 on crypto. It's again just another benefit that they didn't have before. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Bruno, I'll turn it over to you. If you wanted to chime in there, uh, feel free, but I have another question for you as well. Um, and uh, I'm going to put on my, maybe my like, uh, you know, Bitcoin maximalist, crypto libertarian hat here for a second. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the news, overall, the resounding news of this week in just crypto generally has been, in the U.S., has been that BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, has filed for an ETF after, after what appears to be like the SEC has sort of systematically gone after, you know, Binance and, and SEC and a bunch of tokens that it alleges are uh, unregistered securities. Um, and um, it, it kind of appears, at least the narrative now is that, okay, the institutions are here and, you know, they're all coming for this asset class and we should all be excited about this. And kind of the counter narrative that you hear from, you know, kind of the more like, you know, sort of the more like kind of crypto native crowd, I guess, is that, uh, that the institutions and the TradFi uh, banks institutions are going to essentially kind of take over crypto, right? Um, where they're based, everything, everything that's not like a BlackRock ETF is going to get banned and whatever, including your, your DeFi front ends and all these types of things. And I think you can kind of make that argument, well, there, there's, a, there's a pathway to seeing how this might happen in Brazil, where, where the, the TradFi kind of eats the crypto, where a lot of these platforms that we're, we've been talking about today that are all coming into the space, offering products to consumers, are all obviously kind of linked with uh, TradFi institutions in some capacity. And just kind of would like your thoughts on um, does kind of TradFi end up eating crypto in Brazil uh, ultimately? Well, I think that's a very, very good question. And, uh, and I think I have a similar view of one of, uh, there was a city uh, director. They, they created a recent report called, I think, uh, Game Tokens and something like that. <laughs> and Money Tokens and Games, something like that. Uh, in which he said that basically in the end we're going to see um, uh, all, all this movement of even CBDCs in some cases and how the whole market is entering the, in this is like a Trojan horse for, for crypto, for even Bitcoin and all of that. I think it, it doesn't take the power of it. I think it, uh, it takes in a direction in which uh, after 2009, you know, it's a marginalized market and now it's not, not anymore, it's not becoming anymore, it's integrating, it's converging. Um, but yeah, but I, I think some concerns are real. Uh, even Jack Dorsey has, has expressed some of these concerns about uh, even the next generation uh, and, and how even the VC firms are taking over this place as well. Not only the DreadFi firms, but also the VC firms. Um, but I, I, I still, I'm still positive because I think in order to, to reach mainstream, um, those, those big players need to, be, to, to get involved somehow. I think that uh, we're going to, to still have this alternative route for financial market, which was opened up after Satoshi White Paper and all of that. Um, but now in a broader word, it is going to be power in many other initiatives and going to, derivate, to, to derive in many other types of, uh, of, of uh, solutions and infrastructure. So I, I can see the positive side of it and I also understand the concerns, but I think the benefits are, are, you know, are more than the the, the, the bad things that we can, the bad outlook that we can take, have on that, in my personal opinion, for sure. Yeah. Um, we're almost out of time here, but if yeah. uh, Tyler or Daniel want to weigh in on that question, feel free, but we'd also just like to get some concluding thoughts from everybody as well. Um, yeah. Talos, you want to? Yeah, no, so just about this topic, right? So, 
yeah, this is interesting about Brazil. I can't see in the states like JP Morgan offering like Bitcoin to their customers, and here in Brazil you have like Nubank doing it, XP and BTG and others, right? So, so it's good to be honest. I think like this is a huge market. They do like a very important process to like take like this distrust of crypto and also educating customers. But I see like. Companies like us, I think, first of all, we've been doing this for a long time. We like crypto native. We like people that think like, about crypto every single day, every single time. And we move very fast as well. So in the end, I think like, when you start like, in a TradFi, I'm not saying that the service is not good, it's good. But if you go to exchanges, we have more products, you have more coins, you can transfer to other wallets. You can like invest your funds, staking. So I think like to keep up this innovation that if you're a company that has this DNA of crypto is is it's is tough. But I think the market's great, and I always welcome competition. It's very good to see in Brazil that the the financial system, the central bank, is so open-minded. So I think that's a great market for to be creative. And the more challenge you have the smarter and faster you need to execute. So I think it's good. Great. Uh, Daniel, any uh, final thoughts from you and how can folks get in touch if they, if they want to be, uh, if they have a question or want to follow up with you? No, for sure. Uh, I'm very bullish and I think that the situation we are right now is the same, you know, at the end of the 90s when the internet started to leave the academic world and, and all the academics were so, they were so worried about, you know, the big companies taking the internet. And of course that we know the big techs, you know, have all the, the, their issues. But now we have this opportunity to, re, to, to reduce the concentration, especially in financial products. I used to be a maximalist myself. I'm a Bitcoin, Bitcoin class from 2017 uh, until I saw the flourish of the DeFi summer and I understood, okay, uh, things will be different. And in the moment that I see mainstream adoption, part of me, you know, cries, you know, when we talk about, you know, private ledgers and, and, and this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, when we think about mainstream adoption, it's more about providing power to the people in terms of new products, new solutions, new ways of doing things and above all, the ability to have new entrants, new players, because if we have, you know, and I truly believe that our, uh, our competitive landscape, our regulatory landscape, especially here in Brazil, it's, it's paving up the way, you know, to finally uh, reduce a little bit the concentration of the, 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 the power of the established institutions. So I'm, I'm very bullish on that. Uh, in terms of, on, on how to connect, of, of course, you can find me uh, uh, on LinkedIn, on, on Twitter. And I, and I invite all of you to help to give me feedback on the game that we're going to be launching in the following two weeks. The name is Reign of Titans. Our secondary marketplace is happening right now. Uh, on Magic Eden, you can join our Discord server. It will be the first time. This is the biggest Web3 initiative being done by a Fortune 500 Web2 company. And uh, we have some huge ambitions and to learn a lot about this project and hopefully embarking a lot of people into the crypto arena as well. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing about that. I, I was not aware of this before today, so very interesting. Um, Bruno, uh, any final thoughts from you and uh, how can folks get in touch? Yeah, yeah, I think it was a great panel, and uh, and I, I'm just wondering if you have any benefits, just like the prices are are, are going to be in beer or, or anything like that, or drinks, and uh, we can discuss that later. But anyways, uh, but my beers on me, beers on me. Okay, perfect. <laughs> but you can find me on the LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn uh, especially with uh, my my main network, uh, Bruno Genies, and uh, you can also uh, find me in the other all other networks at Bruno E V Genies. 
Uh, so it's a pleasure to be here, and I think it's a very important thing to be discussed. Amazing. Uh, and then I guess Talos and the, the Bitso team are all over in the yeah, back there so if you want to talk to them. But any, any final thoughts from you, Talos? No, yeah, to finalize, thank you for a great panel as well. And Bitso, like, we sponsor the community site, so we have the Bitso team there. If any one of you has any ideas about crypto, if you want to ramps, because a lot of those projects, they need, like, someone to receive a PIX and convert to stablecoin invest, we're going to be here to help you as well and seek how we can facilitate this business and grow. And the way to find me, yes, I'm on LinkedIn, Talis Freitas, and I'm, I will be here the rest of the day and happy to talk. But thanks so much. Thank Great. you, Ira. Thanks, everybody. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And thanks to, again to Digital Finance Brazil and USP for hosting us today. Okay, thank you. Obrigado, everyone, and thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the Brazil Crypto Report newsletter on Substack if you haven't already. And please do give the show a five-star rating on your podcast app if you enjoyed this content. We'll be back soon with another great guest.